if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed. And hour number two is underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Thursday, the 16th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Thanks again for being with us. Thanks again to Marion Sheridan from the Michigan Conservative Coalition joining us to talk about the protest yesterday of Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Governors gone wild, kind of the theme of today's show. And uh, those governors completely casting aside not just constitutional rights, but oftentimes human rights, basic human rights, all in an attempt to um, control the population as much as, in, in many opinions, as much as controlling the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Joining us now to discuss this and more is our good friend Dr. Everett Piper, former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, currently a columnist for the Washington Times and a best-selling author and noted speaker. Dr. Piper, good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Bob. I hope you are, too. I am indeed, yes, sir. Feeling good, feeling healthy, and ready to break out of our house arrest. Uh, and I know a lot of other people feel the same way. Let's talk about why we're here, Dr. Piper. Your article this week, or uh, this past week, rather, was um, was was very heavy in the numbers, and there's a reason for that. It's the numbers that led many of our captors, and I'm, I know I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here when I say this, but many of our captors or imprisoners or or impris or are those who have imprisoned us. Uh, you know, have done so based on the numbers. The worst models say that this is the maximum number that could be killed. This is the minimum number that could be killed by this virus. Therefore, we're going to do this, 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 and this to mitigate those circumstances. Those models were wrong. Nationally, they were wrong. Statewide, they were wrong. In virtually every state, everybody panicked. Everybody spread fear and hysteria. And now the question is, if the numbers are so bad, which they are, uh, at what point do we acknowledge it and change the policy based on the new numbers, based on the reality as opposed to the projections? Um, you went into some depth, particularly citing a paper uh, written by some doctors uh, at uh, Stanford uh, that digs into those numbers just a little bit and uh, kind of explains why our home imprisonment is unwarranted. Can you tell us more? Well, we need to ask ourselves, um, what what are our paramount values in the United States? I mean, we're told in the Declaration of <clears throat> Independence that we have self-evident truths endowed to us by our Creator, unalienable rights endowed to us by our Creator, and among those are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, in other words, human purpose. 
Um, I, I'm going to answer your question, but I want to talk about something that Michael Ramsden of Oxford said this last week. Michael okay. Ramsden of Oxford, the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics, he said this, I believe that one of the greatest threats in the 21st century is artificial intelligence. And then he said, Why, how so? He says, let's suppose that we invent a bunch of AI, artificial intelligence robots, and we program them that their highest good, their purpose, is to preserve human life. That's what they're for. Let's suppose that those AI robots, robots, because of the way they've been programmed, figure out that the way to preserve human life, the most efficient way to do so, and keep humans safe, is to confine all of us in a, in a 10 by 10, by 10 hermeneutically sealed uh, cell where we are kept safe from disaster and disease and fed intravenously, and therefore we live to an average of 85 years of, uh, of life as a result of that decision by these robots. Okay? He says, is that what we want? Is that the best for the human being? Is that our highest good, to be kept safe from disease and disaster by being imprisoned in our little homes. And these robots have figured that out, and they're going to control our lives accordingly. Now, you may say that's the stuff of science fiction. Really, is it? I mean, these are the decisions that we're having to live with right now because all of a sudden our governors and our local sheriffs and our local mayors have decided that safety is the highest good for the American people. Safety, not life, not liberty, not the pursuit of purpose and happiness, but safety. And it's as if when they took their pledges to defend and uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of their respective states, like Michigan and Ohio and Oklahoma, there must have been an asterisk at the bottom of that pledge where it said, we'll defend this Constitution or these constitutions unless the safety of our people is called into question. And then we chuck it all, and we're going to put everybody in confinement and make them safe. We as citizens, a free people, need to ask these questions. Is this what we really want to live with? Is this really human dignity, human purpose, civil rights, and is this what the human being is meant for? That might have been the very best analogy that I've heard in this entire thing. And by the way, I need to read that. So send me the link to uh, what you just quoted from uh, from the doc. I can't remember what the doctor's name was. Was it Ramsden? Ramsden. Michael Ramsden. Mike. Michael Ramsden. I got to read that. That was fantastic. And, and what a great analogy. And that is exactly what they're doing. The best way to preserve life is to keep everybody contained. Now, it may not be in 10 by 10 hermetically sealed cells, but our own homes, you know, keep us contained there. We'll be safe from the, the deadly virus that's out there, but we will not be able to live in the manner that we were meant to live as human beings and as pres- uh, uh, promised us by the Constitution. Now, I want to point the uh, point follow up on that with this point from uh, last night. I don't know if you saw Tucker Carlson. I know you've appeared on Fox shows, but he was interviewing the governor of New Jersey, uh, Phil Murphy, who literally said, "I don't even think about that," or he said, "We're not thinking about that." That being the Bill of Rights, Tucker Carlson said, "By what authority do you 
um, uh, institute the orders that you are over the residents of New Jersey completely in defiance of the Bill of Rights? And his response was, well, that's a little above my pay grade. We, we didn't think about the Bill of Rights. We were just thinking about the virus. That, that to me, you could say that about virtually every governor and every member of government that has indeed agreed to this lockdown. We are going to suspend the Bill of Rights in, in deference to your safety as we see it. And, and that, by the way, isn't even true either because there are different threats to our safety when we're all on lockdown and we're all impoverished to the tune of 23 million people unemployed in this country. I, I, I 100% agree. And here's the issue. We are being virus shamed. And when I say we, I mean anybody, whether you're conservative or whether you're liberal, whether you're a libertarian or whether you're a Republican, even some blue dog Democrats are raising their hand and saying, wait a second, wait a second. In Oklahoma, for example, Vanita, Oklahoma, the reddest of the red states, Oklahoma, Vanita, Oklahoma, has issued an edict that has quarantine and has curfew to the point Whereas if you go out to go fishing at the local lake alone, you can be arrested and fined and jailed. If you go out to go hunting in the local woods in Oklahoma, you can be arrested, fined, and put in jail. In Oklahoma, what gives these people the right to do that? In Michigan, under Whitmer's edict, you can't go golfing alone on a golf course. There were helicopters flying over a local club of one of my friends up in Michigan recently, patrolling it for people golfing alone. Now, how is it possible for any rational human being to conclude that somehow you're compromising the health and the dignity and the human rights of anyone else if you're out hunting, fishing, or golfing alone. This is crazy. This has nothing to do with being a Republican or a Democrat, a progressive, or, well, it may have something to do with being a progressive, because this is the problem. The progressives fancy themselves as our betters, as our superiors, as our ruling elites, and they're going to take the reins and tell all of us, you can't golf, you can't fish, you can't walk, you can't hike, you must stay in your little cell, because that's what will keep you and everyone else safe. And then the church is buying this lie and allowing those like you and me to be virus-shamed into silence because we're simply asking questions. What's going on? Yeah, and we can't even uh, go to drive-up services, drive-up blessings or services on Easter because they're taking our, in Mississippi, I think it was, they're taking our license plate numbers down and uh, and going to issue $500 fines to anybody who came to it. But if you drive away from that service and go to the drive through line at your local McDonald's to get yourself a Happy Meal, that's perfectly acceptable. drive through fries are good. drive through services and blessings are bad. Um, there's just no, there's no concern consistency there's no say you and by the way you mentioned you can't go golfing can't do this. you can go buy your lottery tickets in michigan though governor whitmer made sure that was on the list of essential businesses merchants that sell lottery tickets are open and why well because state lottery uh the state lotteries obviously fund state government to uh to a large extent uh dr piper there's much more to go here but i gotta get a time out we'll do it now at ten nineteen. back with dr piper after this Okay, 1024. 
Not really sure about the uh, choice of uh, bumper music for Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, running with the devil. <laughs> Dr. Piper, I'm sure it was a mistake, I swear. Uh, all right, uh, thanks uh, Thanks again for joining us. Okay, Dr. Piper, I want to uh, dive a little bit further into this now. Uh, you, uh, in your article, and I know we kind of delved into a few different areas as well, but in your article this past week for the uh, uh, for the Washington Times, you quoted um, Huxley, you quoted Orwell, you quoted uh, C.S. Lewis again, not that they're all uh, the same, but but what we are talking about here are some of the worst fears that we have had in this country all coming true at the same time. Uh, and we're talking about essentially revoking not just our constitutionally protected freedoms, but in some cases, our human freedoms, our human rights. You wouldn't think of the United States as being a human rights violating nation the way you think of uh, communist China. But that is what's happening with some of these governors who are out of control. When they won't let you buy seeds or buy, uh, you know, uh, 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 plants or planting soil or materials, et cetera, to grow your own food. Now we're talking about literally denying people their basic human rights um at what point do you think we see a bigger rise up of the people in each state the way that we saw yesterday some estimates were ten thousand somewhere closer to twenty thousand of the people that gathered in lansing michigan yesterday to protest one of the people you mentioned in your commentary governor whitmer uh, who is responsible for some of those things at what point does this authoritarianism and these orwellian types of edicts lead the people to revolt and i'm not talking about a violent revolution but i'm talking about a revolution well, obviously, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't answer at what point. But I, it, actually, there was the same type of rally in Oklahoma City, which hasn't been covered nationally yet. So you had Oklahoma City. You had Lansing. You had, uh, what was it, Virginia. You had several locations yesterday where people, have, of all political stripes, got together and they said, no, stop. You have an obligation, Mr. Government official. The government has the obligation to honor its oath of office, and that is to protect, preserve, honor and defend the Constitution and our rights and our privileges and our dignity therein. You can't set that aside just because of sickness. Now, I'm the first one. For example, in Oklahoma yesterday, I went into a store to buy uh, uh, my nursery, the local, uh, I wanted to buy some plants and some seed. The first thing I said to the lady that I know, to Vicki, who runs the local nursery, I said, do you want me to wear a mask? She looked up at me and she said, no, you don't have to wear a mask. I would have worn one had she asked, because as a Christian, I think it's my responsibility to defer to those people that may be afraid. Mm -hmm. I'll do that out of responsibility, not because it's required of me. That's the difference. Now, back to your main question, Bob. You ask about some numbers and this Orwellian uh, nonsense that's going on. The current numbers, the present numbers for mortality per million in the United States is 77. 77 deaths per million. That's the current number. Now, let's compare that to a, uh, a, a, sample, a sample of a nation that has not had the Drakelian the, uh, the um, overreach, government overreach. Sweden. What, is, what are the numbers in Sweden, the mortality rate per million? 91. Okay, slightly higher than ours. 91 per million versus 77 per million. Now, let us ask this question. Are we will, really willing to set aside our life, our liberty, and our right to pursue human purpose for those numbers? Are we going to virus shame anybody who raises their hand and say, really, are we going to allow Orwell and Huxley, are we going to allow Belgium, Beijing, and the Beltway to control us because we're afraid of a disease 
that has a mortality rate of 77 people per million, or even in the most open society right now that we can identify in the nation, or excuse me, in the world, uh, and that is Sweden, where it's 91 per million. We need to ask ourselves these questions because we're giving up our freedom because of those numbers. Well, the first the first question, though, Dr. Piper, <clears throat> is do people even know those numbers? Because that was the main point of your article from this past Friday, and that is the fact that the government suppresses those numbers. Or really, you know, they can't stop you from doing the math yourself if you want. And and I've done the math as well, and I've looked at the death rate, and I've looked at the infection rate, and I've looked at all of those things, and it is extraordinarily low, as you are pointing out. But they don't want you to know that. That's the bigger key here. Is why are as you ask in your article, uh, are, why are our elected officials, our leaders, doing everything they can to suppress that positive information? And my answer is because they know that if they keep up the uh, the policies that they have put in place here in the face of those numbers, the people will indeed revolt, and that's what they're trying to stop. Okay, back to the issue of safety or freedom, and I need to be quick: safety or freedom. Even Dennis Prager's a movie, No Safe Spaces, makes this point. If safety is the paramount virtue and value, if that's your highest good, if that's your summum bonum, then you're going to give yourself over to the power and the control of people who want to keep you safe. If freedom and liberty is your highest virtue, then you are taking power and control away from those oligarchs, away from those elitists and those despots, and you are demanding that you have the freedom in the market square of ideas, in the market square of what you buy and what you sell to have the freedom to live as a human being. Safety is going to result in power and control. Freedom results in human liberty. Dr. Everett Piper comes uh, breathing fire, as he does each and every Thursday. Straight facts and tremendous analysis, as always. Dr. F- uh, Piper, thank you. I almost called you Dr. Fire. Dr. Piper, thank you so much for the great, <laughs> for the great conversation. We'll talk to you soon. All right, all right, 10.30, uh, guess what? You just heard uh, Dr. Piper referring to Dennis Prager's No Safe Spaces. Well, the other name on the uh, marquee for No Safe Spaces is Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla will join us next right here on 1420 The Answer. Uh, Adam Carolla, as I said, though, is, is scheduled to join us to talk about No Safe Spaces. This movie came out last year, and we talked about it at length uh, when it came out and came to select theaters. Uh, it kind of blows me away, to be 100% honest with you, when you think about these these numbers. First of all, it was the number one political documentary of 2019, and that's that's great. But this just doesn't happen. A 99% audience rating at RottenTomatoes.com. That's the highest rating of any film, any kind, any genre, all of last year. 99%. That's just, especially given the fact that you believe, you know, you would imagine there are going to be some liberal or... Uh, uh, progressive, if you will, people who review this, but even liberals and progressives, uh, progressives had to recognize the great points that were made in such an entertaining fashion by No Safe Spaces. And I'm told Adam Carolla is on the line now, so let's bring him onto the program. Adam Carolla, co-producer, co-founder, and co-star, if you will, of No Safe Spaces with Dennis Prager. Adam, thanks for joining us here in Cleveland. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. It's pleasure, uh, Adam. Uh, big fan. Going back a long way to a lot of your a lot of your old work. I got to tell you, and watching your evolution from you know the fun and it was fun. I love the Man Show, and I'm sure you're tired of talking about the Man Show, but it was huge fun for a lot of guys like me. But from the fun and the you know the the goofiness of of you know uh, if I were King and Ziggy Saki, et cetera, to what you have become is as such an influential person in 
And quite frankly, American society, I won't even say just in American politics, and what you've done with this movie is amazing. Did you ever see your transition from what you were to what you are coming? Was this a plan of action, or was it kind of something that just happened organically? Well, thanks for the kind words. Uh, I never really think of myself that way, but I'll I'll take it. Um, I wanted to put my ideas in people's heads. So that was about all I wanted to do. I I always liked radio because I thought it was a good way to do that. Um, I never thought of myself as an actor or a stand-up or a writer. I I just thought of myself as a person who had ideas. And sometimes I would make a documentary and I would convey my ideas that way. And sometimes I would write a book and sometimes I would do a podcast and you get the idea. So... And this is just one more way of taking an idea and conveying it. You know, that's that's a fascinating description. You don't see yourself as a stand-up comedian. You don't see yourself as an actor. But you do all of those things in some form or another. You, like I said, you're you're kind of an influencer. And the fact that you want to share your ideas with other people, and you don't bludgeon them with them. And I think that's one of the things uh, as we turn to the movie now. That, that people really will appreciate if they have not seen it and people who have do. You're not beating people over the head with conservative thought, uh, while you point out the fact that it is the, the American left that is coming for you if they don't like what you say. If they don't like what you say or how you say it or, or what your ideas are, they are coming for you, but you don't take a, you know, you, you don't take a shillelagh and bash people over the head with this. You actually have all points of view, and you guys manage to do it in an entertaining fashion. How did you? How did you come up with the concept of the movie? Adam? I was approached by the producers who come up with the concept of it, and it was obviously something I'd been thinking about and talking about, and maybe they heard me talking about it, uh, but they came up to me and they just said, here's the subject we've been thinking about. And I said, good, because I've been thinking about that as well. And then they said, uh, you want to work with Dennis Prager? And I'm a huge fan of Dennis. And he and I had a chance to go out and do some speaking engagements and things of that nature in the past. And I thought, well, you know, any excuse to work with Dennis. Dennis is one of the preeminent conservative voices in America um, in a variety of, of of fashions, you know, but not just his incredible radio show reaching so many people, millions and millions, but, uh, you know, the Prager University videos. He's just a, a true conservative's conservative. How would you describe your politics? I guess uh, liberal in many regards and probably conservative in many regards and probably libertarian in a lot of ways. I'm sort of basic. I, I, I believe, you know, you pay your taxes and the government leaves you alone and you take care of your own and you take care of your community and, uh, you know, smaller government and uh, more freedom but that also means if you want to grow a pot plant in your backyard, that's your land and it's your lungs. And, you, you know, you're not allowed to sell it at the school down the street. But if you want to put a pot plant in your backyard and it's still right next to it, uh, I don't have any problems with that. You know, I, I do a lot of building. And anyone who builds in California 
and has to deal with the permits and all the regulations would would understand exactly what I'm saying. I guess I don't want to abolish the Department of Building and Safety. I'd like to reel it in a little bit and let the let the people build their projects without having to ask permission of the government. So I'm, I'm like a small government guy. I like that. Uh, choice, and, that and, and, and you're a very balanced guy, because I think that's fair, and that's honest, and that's fantastic, by the way, that you have some leanings that are one direction, some in the other direction ideologically. How has that affected your Q rating among your fan base? Um, because, again, <clears throat> the fact that you're working with Dennis the conservative's conservative, probably has people who are maybe more progressive and who are fans of yours thinking the terror, the worst things of the world about you, uh, that you have, you have signed on with this guy, so I can't like him anymore. Has that affected your popularity, or have you received any negative feedback for working with Dennis? People in general in Hollywood are very narcissistic, and they really never take the time to get to know what a guy like Dennis is all about, who he is, and just how much they would have in common with him. So, yes, it it doesn't help, you know, doing spots on Tucker Carlson or doing a project with Dennis, frankly, because Hollywood is filled with egotists, and they've just decided that those people are bad people, which is incredible to me because they're amongst the best people I've ever met in my entire life most of the time better than all the idiots in Hollywood that are saying what horrible people these guys are, are, or ironically. So, yes, it does hurt your business in Hollywood, and, yes, it does hurt on, on a few different levels in Hollywood, but what are my choices? I happen to know what the truth is, and I'm going to share it with people. I'm not going to be stifled by idiots, and most of these people have to shut up because they're marginal in their talent, and they understand it. And Hollywood can pull the plug on you. You don't have to work in Hollywood. I create my own work, so I don't need to listen to these idiots. So I have a certain amount of impunity. But no, they don't like it, but so, so what? I'm funny. I get to do what I want to do. If I was relying on acting jobs, I, it would be over, obviously. You anticipated my question. I was going to say, because of your... You know, multi-talents, uh, you know, you, you really can do a number of things. You don't need producers to offer you roles. But obviously, like you said, people who are limited to just acting, those who work inside Hollywood, they kind of have to rely on that. So a lot of people have said there are far more conservatives in Hollywood that are, that are reliant upon, uh, roles, uh, to make their living. Uh, then we'll we'll admit it because of that fact. Do you agree? Do you know conservatives in Hollywood that keep that a secret to the you know where it's almost they're in the conservative closet? It's it's weird. It's a little less conservatives being in the closet and a little more middle of the road Democrats going hard left to try to fit in and get a get a job so it's more like people you know who you know are pretty middle of the road with some you know who are have have conservative uh, ideals you know family education maybe god-fearing and that kind of stuff going hard in on this aoc crap to try to curry favor and get a job so it, it, it it's it's what people understand is it's it's not the 
it's not the Muranos, as uh, Dennis says. Uh, you guys can look it up. But people, I think it was in Spain, who are Jews or pre- pretending not to be Jews. It's not conservatives pretending not to be conservative. It's middle-of-the-road Democrats becoming AOC to try to get a job. Are they faking it or becoming it? Oh, uh, both. I, it, it's kind of one kind of begats the other. I, You know, I've always kind of told people, you know, I'm a behavioralist. Like, if, if you want to be happy, then act happy. And eventually, you'll be happy pretty soon. Just act happy. And so, if you just act, you know, happy or confident, or like you agree with the Green New Deal or something, eventually that just kind of becomes you. Right. Right. That makes sense. If they act like a liberal for the purposes of fitting in in Hollywood and getting, you know, establishing themselves, then they're going to begin to become one. That makes perfect sense. Adam, if you had an hour to sit and talk politics with one guy, Dennis Prager or your former uh, TV partner and friend Jimmy Kimmel, who would you rather sit and talk to politics with for an hour? Oh, God, it would be it'd be a very different conversation. But uh, they're both great talkers and they both have great ideas i'm aligned more with dennis obviously but you know i have plenty of friends in hollywood where it's like we disagree on things politically but that's all that's that's all it is i i don't know why that has become a deal breaker i have plenty of friends in hollywood who, who i disagree with politically and we go out to dinner and have a great night like it 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 doesn't have to be a deal breaker i'm i'm not sure when or why probably you know in the trump era for sure it's been you know exacerbated but you disagree with someone politically it, it it can be like everyone i know in los angeles has a team and they're not the rams uh i happen to be a rams fan it doesn't prevent us from doing anything. And I, I don't know why it has gotten to that point, but it doesn't need to be there. And I and there are people in Hollywood, precious few, who you can just have a conversation and a laugh with and get on with your life. You know, you said, we're talking to Adam Carolla, if you did not recognize the voice, I don't know how you couldn't, it is iconic. And I mean that literally, Adam, and I'm not just blowing, uh, you know, sunshine uh, here uh, because you're on with me. Uh, everybody knows you from so many of the different projects that you've undertaken. Um, and Adam, of course, is the co-producer and creator and star of No Safe Spaces. Um, you said it a minute ago, and you said, is it, you know, because of the Trump era? And I think, I think we've been headed in this direction for a long time, but I think we have hit the head now, the, you know, kind of the peak, if you will, of hatred for people who have opposite views that you do because of the left's hatred of Trump. It does not matter what he does. If he came out in a, in a press conference and said, I'm in favor of oxygen, liberals would hold their breaths, uh, and, and breath and, and, and say, I'm not breathing oxygen if that guy likes it. That's how bad it's become. Can you talk Trump? With, with liberal friends and tell me right now how do you what do you think of our current president yeah I'm, a, I'm kind of Ben Shapiro-esque with him I you know I like a lot of the policies he should probably lay off the you know the personal scraps and the Twitter wars and things like that but I I, I like the idea that he's 
running this like a business. I like the idea that he doesn't want to get ripped off by uh, China or NASA deals and, and that kind of stuff. And I'm generally, if I'm if I'm going to be consistent, I've always said for 25 years, I just want someone who understands business or who treats this country like a business to come in and run it like a business. I'm not really interested in the, you know, would you like to have a beer with that guy aspect of leadership, which is something that's grown bigger over the years, which I never quite understood, which it, it is true that it would seem like a fun time to have a beer with President Obama. But if you're never going to have a beer with him, well, then let's not make that the criteria for voting on somebody. Um, I think I'm I think I'm like a lot of guys in in my position, which is uh, I like a lot of his positions. I wish he'd reel it in a little on some of the you know, personal battle stuff. But uh, in general, you know, what? who are we comparing him to? Like, would you want Mitt Romney in there? I feel like that guy's a zero burger. I, I feel like Joe Biden's a zero. I don't even know what Joe Biden stands for. I, I, I think he'll just do, he stands for what everyone around him is standing for. I'd, I'd rather have Andrew Yang in there than uh, Joe Biden. I think that's a good analogy, by the way, or not an analogy, analysis, if you will, of Joe Biden. It's whatever people around, Bernie people are all coming after him now, so he's, I'll be like Bernie. I promise I'll be like Bernie. Uh, Barack, I will be like Barack. He, he really is not that, he doesn't have really a, uh, I don't think a firm stand on who he is. Uh, Adam, we're a little short on time, but I want to ask you this. I started our segment and intro the segment before you came on with us, talking about the movie and the fact that Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score was 99%. That just doesn't happen, at least as far as I know it doesn't happen. That is incredible. How do you explain the fact that people of all political stripes who watched No Safe Spaces liked it? Uh, well, it's a, it's a good product. I mean, I make documentaries. Um, one of the things I do, I have three of them on, on Netflix right now. They're automotive documentaries, um, but... And you can, if people want to go to Chassis, which is C-H-A-S-S-Y dot com, you'll see all the documentaries we make over there. Um, it has to be a good product uh, for the people. Now, when it comes to the critics, when it comes to the Rotten Tomatoes critics, the ones who write for newspapers and things of that nature, uh, then it works a little more in terms of political. What is the topic? Who, how are you addressing the topic? Right. When it comes to the people, whether, look, whether it's an action movie or a documentary, the people just tell you whether it's a good movie or not. The critics will tell you if you're on the right side of this issue or that issue. So if you, you want to know, and by the way, if you're thinking about watching my film or any film, you're not a critic, you're a person. So go see what the, 500 people or 1,000 people who saw it said, and that'll probably be a pretty pretty good idea of what, of, of, of if, if, if you were, will enjoy it or not. But again, it's a good film. It's not, it's not a political film. It's, you know, it's not a, oh, we're going to, uh, we're going to hold your nose. Here's some castor oil. It's not that kind of film. It's, it's, it's entertaining first and foremost. 
Well, that, and that is the most important thing. Although, as a documentary, it's got to be informative as well, and it is. And that's the uh, the beauty that you guys have been able to really entertain and inform without ticking everybody off. People on both sides of the political spectrum and many points in between feel that way. So you guys have now have it available on the website at nosafespaces.com. And I'll remind everybody, you can save 25% off the price of buying it at nosafespaces.com. You can watch it unlimited numbers of times, share it with family and friends whenever they're allowed to come back over again save 25 is the promo code there the uh, co-producer co-creator and co-star of no safe spaces along with dennis prager is adam carolla adam i know you got a busy schedule how you holding up by the way with the uh, quarantine are you uh, you guys doing okay yeah i'm doing well i'm not locked in my house i have warehouses and cars i work on and stuff like that i go to it all the time i'm not well you're lucky you don't live in michigan you wouldn't be allowed to drive to those things just so you know so uh, i know (laughs) but uh adam no seriously i know you're busy you got to get back out to the garage maybe and work on the cars but uh, i really appreciate you coming on thanks for doing those safe spaces thanks for talking to us about it i truly appreciate it keep up the great work sir Thanks for having me, Bob. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Adam Carolla joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. We went a little long, so we'll catch up right now on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, um, we're just about ready to wrap it up here on this Thursday edition. A reminder again, the code for the No Safe Spaces movie at nosafespaces.com is SAVE25, SAVE25. That'll give you 25% off the price of the um, uh, number one political documentary of 2019. I enjoyed that interview. I could have talked to Adam Carolla for another hour. Uh, really, really good stuff. If you missed the conversation with Adam Carolla, if you missed the conversation with Dr. Everett Piper, if you missed the conversation with Mary and Sheridan, if you missed yesterday's conversation with Mike DeWine, I've got good news for you. It's all available at whkradio.com. Click on the podcast page, a drop-down menu there, or click on the podcast link, I should say, and drop down to Bob France uh, Authority, and you will find, of course, uh, all of those interviews. Yesterday's interview with Mike DeWine, and we'll replay some of that tomorrow as well as we continue to analyze where we are headed in the state of Ohio and where other states are headed as well. President Trump is set to issue guidance today or guidelines on reopening the country. Doesn't mean it's happening today, but some information is coming today, so we'll react to that on tomorrow's program. For now, stay where you are, because Mike Gallagher's next. We'll see you tomorrow.